tired of life just happening to you? Sick of your daily routine and want to experience real progress? Tired of cheap hacks and skeptical about anyone trying to give you their 10 cent motivation? Welcome to the ABCs for Purposeful Living Podcast. The place that takes the bedrock foundational principles of success and breaks them up into smaller rocks that you can take and use for your own construction as you build the life of your dreams the way that you want it. Stop living by default. Get busy designing. Let the podcast begin. David Thermer is an award-winning transformational life coach, leadership expert, and speaker. He's worked with over 100,000 people across 34 countries for the past 10 years, helping them to experience major change in their lives and to implement habits and rituals to ensure that the progress is lasting. Through his immersive seminars, live events, and coaching retreats, he makes you shake down your life, beliefs, and habits to their foundations in order to help you build a more intentional and powerful future. It's these foundations that he is bringing to you week by week in these podcasts, with the goal of helping you, wherever you may be, to get a hold of your life and turn it into something amazing. Welcome to the ABCs of Purposeful Living Podcast. Hey everyone, how you doing? Welcome back to the ABCs of Purposeful Living podcast. My name is David Thurmer and I'm so happy to be here with you once again on this show after what seems like it's been forever. And kind of has been. You know, the last time I sat down to do a podcast was back in, I think, 2021 actually. And I think the last one aired in 2021, back in May. That's a long time to have a break between episodes. Well, sometimes life comes at you fast. Sometimes life changes around your plans. I mean, so much has happened since then, some of which I might get into this episode, some I'll probably save for another one. But the main reason I'm here is because it's a new year, and being that we're now in 2023, I figured it'd be a good time to get back onto this podcasting platform and to let you know how things have been going and to give you some insights into what happened in the year gone by. As is my usual custom, I like to take some time at the end of a year to sit down, think a bit about the year that has gone by and just reflect on everything that has happened. Because if you go through life moving too fast in between the different phases of your life, if you don't stop to take stock and to see how much change you've made or the things that you've accomplished or the lessons that you've learned, you will miss a lot out of life. Because when you are in the thick of it, when you're in the middle of the day-to-day stuff, When you're in the middle of everything that is happening, it's hard to see the progression of life happening. It's hard to see progress, or it's also hard to see regress. It's hard to see the things that are changing, whether for better or for worse. It's hard to see 
whether or not progress is being made or unmade, which is why whenever you sign up for a fitness challenge or whenever you sign up for any sort of activity that promises you a form of transformation, they always make you take a before and after picture. And the reason why they do that is because every day you get up and you look in the mirror while you're on that transformation process, you're not going to feel that you've accomplished anything or that you made any particular type of change. But afterwards, you look at a picture you took a month ago or two months ago or three months ago, and then you say, wow, look at all the progress that I actually made. Look how much I actually changed. Look how much has been done in such a short span of time. And so if that's a good marker when you're on a fitness journey or a journey of physical transformation, how much more so when you're on a journey in your personal life or a journey in your business or a journey in your mental health or a journey in your spiritual life. Whatever it is, it's good to take stock at certain points and to see your before and where you are now. And so you can properly assess where the progress has been made, the areas you've grown in, and the areas that perhaps need a little bit more focus. And so I have this tradition that I do every year. It is a tradition that actually started, I think, with my parents, where we used to get together on the 31st of December, and we'd all take some time to reflect on the year gone by. We would note down the things we were grateful for, the victories of the year. We would also talk then about the goals for the upcoming year and what we wanted to accomplish in the year ahead. And then we would also take some time to come up with like a vision statement that would guide our path ahead. And so this is something that I've done from the time I was a kid. And we used to do it every December 31st. And till today, I still take the time to do it. Every beginning of the year, I'll sit down and I'll reflect on what's gone by. And I've tweaked it a little bit and I've kind of added my own version to it. I still look back and I look at the highlights and the wins of the year gone by. But what I also like to do is I like to also take stock of not just my greatest victories, but also my greatest lessons and my greatest learnings. Because if you're looking only at the highs, then chances are you will not get a complete picture of the areas that could possibly sabotage you as you're going into the next year. But if you're looking only at the lows, that also creates an inaccurate picture. And it can be very discouraging and it can send you out into the new year without any thought or hope that things can actually get better because you only looked at the things that you didn't accomplish or the areas that you've fallen short in. Now, both are kind of needed. And so I like to look at my highlights and my wins, but also at the areas I didn't do so well in, and I draw lessons out of that for the path ahead. And then the third thing I like to do is I like to set uh, goals for the year ahead. And the fourth thing is I like to set a, like a quote or a mantra or something for the year up ahead 
and that will be my framework for everything going forward. And so I would like to take the time to share that with you, and I hope that you enjoy it if it's something that you're interested in. And so let's dive right in, shall we? Here we go. Reflecting on 2022. bat 2022 was a big year i mean it wasn't just a year that i lost all my hair which for those of you who know me for a while it's been a long time joke that the day would come when i would go bald and it would be the end of things but we're still around we're still alive all still well but yeah 2022 will go down not just as the year that i lost all my hair but the year where a lot of really epic things kind of happened so i'm going to give you a couple of highlights of things that I experience, that I was privileged to be involved with, opportunities that came across my doorstep, and just overall incredible things that went together to make up 2022. So I'm going to take the time to go through these highlights, and I'm going to divide them up into two different categories. I'm going to do the work side and then the personal side because I believe that they should be separate in order to give them each their proper due. So one of the first highlights is the fact that I had the chance to travel to to do either a coaching event in or a speaking event in about 11 countries this year. And a couple of those countries were really amazing and I just wanted to reflect on them. One of the highlights was having the opportunity to make a trip back to Romania and to Moldova to do a couple of events there. And it was just such a wonderful privilege to be invited to go there and to just help in a small way and the incredible things that are happening over there. The people that I work with there were doing such an amazing work. It was an absolute joy and a privilege to be able to contribute to that in some small way and that was definitely one of the highlights of my year. Another um, highlight trip was getting the chance to go back to India and in India we had the chance to do a coaching retreat and that was a lot of fun. It was almost a complete disaster because the flight that I was supposed to be on for some reason I wasn't able to be on it and so I had to take another flight the next day. So I actually landed in India like less than 24 hours before the event was supposed to start. And so I went through that three-day uh, coaching retreat in a blur. It was like jet lag, couldn't get to sleep on time, struggling out of bed the next morning, and then having to stand up and speak and coach for up to eight to 10 hours a day. And so that was an adventure, but man, that was absolutely one of the highlights of my year. It was a beautiful time working with all the individuals that were there. And the second greatest thing about that trip to India was I finally had the chance to be involved with a project that has been so dear to my heart, but because of COVID, we've not been able to do it for the past two years. And that is a project that is run by my parents in India, actually called the Adopt-A-Grandparent Project. And the way that this project works is that 
we reach out to a number of homes for the aged across India, and we ask the old people to write letters to Santa. Because, you know, have you ever heard the letters to Santa concept? The kids do it. Dear Santa, I want this, I want that. And they send it off and they get them. And so the elderly who live in these homes for the aged, they are completely without their families at Christmas time. Their families don't come to see them. A lot of them are completely alone in the world. And because they're so elderly, there's a very good chance that the people that you meet that year, they will not be alive the next year. They won't be alive the next Christmas. And so it could very well be their last Christmas. And so the idea which we have worked to accomplish through this project is let's make their last Christmas their best Christmas. So we ask them to write letters to Santa and they write us and they tell us exactly what they want down to the very last detail. You know, they want size and shape and color. So it's not just, well, I would like a pair of shoes. It's like, well, what color shoes? What do you want the design to be? What texture, you know, what material? Do you want a buckle on it or not? It's like some people want a watch. It's like, okay, well, it's not just a watch. You know, they want a watch with a leather strap with a gold colored dial and big numbers or whatever it is. You get the craziest sort of requests from all these people. And then once we get all the requests, we tally it up. This year, I think we had um, a th over 1,200 elderly that we got gifts for. And so they apply for this, they send us the letter, we go and we get all the, thing, all the shopping done, then we pack it up, stick it in boxes, we ship it to the cities. We did it in 10 different cities this year. And then what we do is we go to each of those cities and go from home to home and we throw a Christmas party. We bring the entertainment, we sing songs, somebody dresses up as Santa and we give away all the gifts and we usually have a meal or something for them. It is one of the highlights of my year and probably one of the best, I think, most amazing projects I've ever had the chance to be involved with my entire life. And if you meet people who have come for these events and everything, they'll say pretty much the same thing. So my family's been running this event uh, since 2010. We've been doing it every year. Every year it's been getting bigger and bigger. The past two years, while we still kept the event going and we still sent the gifts ahead of time, we couldn't actually go to each of the homes individually and give the gifts. And we couldn't put on the program and just be there with them and kind of be their family at Christmas time. And so we really missed that. But this year, um, thankfully, because all COVID restrictions have been lifted, we were actually able to go to each of the homes. And so I was so honored to be able to be in India at the same time when this project was going on. And so my parents said, you want to get involved with this again? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I would love to be Santa for the old people. I would love to go around and just help them have a wonderful and Merry Christmas. And so I had the chance to be involved with that just before coming back uh, to Europe for that project. And so that was definitely one of the travel highlights of my year. What's another one? This year also, I had the opportunity to conduct... 194 coaching and training events. And these were done both online and in person. Now that uh, the effects of the pandemic seem to be wearing off and the world is going more back to 
operating as normal, we have had the chance to be doing a lot more in-person events than we've done previously. Hence the reason why this year we've gone to 11 countries and 27 cities in those countries. We've done 194 events, and these 194 events have impacted a total of 11,377 people with an average age of about 35 years. And this year was also the year that I got the chance to do the highest profile event I've ever done in my entire life. Now, unfortunately, I can't share any details about it, but let's just say that I was absolutely mind blown to be a part of this event and I was so honored to be at that level working with the kind of people that I did, which was such an amazing opportunity and I'm so grateful for those who worked that out. I also um, continued to do a lot of webinars this year, focused a lot on maintaining that because pre-pandemic, we had a lot of in-person events and then during the pandemic, we had to switch everything online. And then now uh, post-pandemic, we, switched over to doing more in-person events, but we still wanted to keep the online events going in order to benefit the people who couldn't really come to the events that we had to go to or in places where we couldn't really travel. And so it was nice that we were still able to keep the webinars going this year. And we actually had people from 69 different countries on our webinars, which has been a wonderful thing because it's had the chance to take the training and the coaching to places where I've not had the opportunity to go to yet. So that's one thing I'm also super grateful for for this year. What else? So this is also the year that I experienced more growth in um, the people that we work with on a coaching basis. Through our company, Direct Coaching, this year we had a chance to onboard about 35 new personal coaching individual clients and about 153 group clients. And that worked out to uh, me personally spending about, I think it was 895 hours this year in either coaching or personal training sessions. Now that's, that's quite a lot and I was super happy to be able to work with people in this way and not just be able to work with people en masse, but then also to be able to work with individuals closely. Now, you might be thinking, wow, that's quite a large number, you know, 35 you know, individuals and then like 153 in a group. Well, yes and well, no, not exactly because I have a pretty fast turnover rate for working with my clients. And for those of you who've been my clients before listening to this, you'll understand. Or um, if you ever heard me talk about coaching, I feel very strongly about the relationship that I set up with the people that I coach. I absolutely refuse for the coaching relationship to become a relationship of codependency. Too many, and I don't want to knock the coaching industry as a whole because there's a lot of 
very, very good coaches out there and a lot of very genuine people. But too often, it seems that um, it's a big temptation for a lot of coaches to make their client dependent on them. And so their client starts working with them, they work through the coaching relationship for a bit, they focus on the outcomes of what they want to achieve, they start working through the objectives, they start working towards their goals, and then they'll experience some progress. And they'll experience enough progress that makes them excited, and so they'll want to keep progressing. However, what happens is that they're only able to experience that progress, and they're only able to experience that growth, and they're only able to experience that level of success when they are working with the coach. As soon as they stop working with the coach, then what happens is they either hit roadblocks and they haven't learned how to go past them, or they start regressing. And so it creates this negative loop in their head, which basically tells them that progress is not possible on their own. And so they have to keep going back to work with the coach in order to experience that progress. They have to be working along with that person in order to be able to make progress. They have to keep going back to the same therapist or to the same coach or to the same mental health professional because they only know how to do the work in that particular situation with that particular coach or professional or therapist or whatever. I personally feel that that's toxic. That that creates a dependency rather than empowerment. And when our clients come to us, they come to us to be empowered. When our clients come to us, they come to us because they need help to change their life. But you know what? It's their life. I'm very, very clear in my head when I work with my clients that it is their life. It is their goals. And I need to empower them to be able to live it. Because you know what? I have my life. And I have my goals. And I have my things that I need to focus on. No one else can live my life but me. And when it comes to my clients, no one else can live their life but them. If I have 35 clients and I'm making them all dependent on me and I'm trying to solve all their problems and I'm trying to help them with everything that they're doing, what's happening is, is that I have to live 35 lives. And I just don't have the energy for it. I just don't have the ability. Maybe there are others who are better at this than me, but I don't have the ability to run 35 lives. And only run one. But what I do have is enough knowledge and enough skills and enough insight into human behavior and into the principles of success to be able to work along with a person to master their own life. And so I tell every single one of my clients that this is how I measure success. The day that you don't need me anymore 
is going to be the most successful day of our relationship. The day that you no longer have to come to me is the day when we know that you have finally got it. The day that you have the tools needed to take control of your own life and make it into something wonderful and make it into anything that you want to be. That day is the day that I am the most happiest. And so I tell all my clients, when we start working together, first of all, I will work with you as a coach. And then after a little while, I will switch from being a coach to being a facilitator. And then after a while, I'll switch from being a facilitator to just being someone who makes suggestions. And finally, I will switch from that to being a cheerleader. And then after I've switched to being a cheerleader, then you have reached the point where you can go out and make a huge difference. And so my full focus with them is on the process. I'm continually helping them to lock in on not just what we're doing, but the reasons why we're doing it and how the process works. It's not so much walking them through the process as helping them to understand it and embody it so they can actually go out and replicate it for themselves in their own lives in any particular place where they decide that they need to make this change. And so when I work with my clients, I from day one, I start working with them to the point where they're not going to need me anymore. And so I sign up with my clients um, for a few months at a time and we keep moving up to a certain point when they can stand on their own feet. Now it's a bit difficult because I can I can sympathize with other people who want to keep their clients dependent on them for a while because and that means you have a steady source of income, right? Because if you're talking to your client three, four times or six times or seven times a week and you have that relationship going for a year or for two years or for three years or five years, then you have a steady stream of income. And so it's almost a temptation to just leave a little bit of the mystery. And you just leave a little bit of the things that only you know, and so they have to keep coming back to you. And while I understand that temptation, I sympathize that temptation, I too am tempted with it from time to time. I'm like, man, this is a good paycheck. I'd love to hold on to onto it a bit longer. If I do that, I am doing a disservice to the people that I've dedicated my life to help. If I do that, I'm being extremely unethical and I'm compromising my integrity for a confirmed paycheck. And I don't want to do that because I wouldn't want someone to do that with me. Because people come to you with an area of their life that they're stuck in. And they need your help to get out of it. They can't do it on their own. But then you have to show them how 
they can get out of it for themselves. And how to put safeguards into place where they don't fall back into that again. And then to create new avenues and new pathways where they never have to encounter that again. It's like, you may know how to swim. You may be a great lifeguard. And you may be the person that everyone wants to bring around so you can pull them out of the water every time they go in a little bit too deep. What you really need to do is teach that person how to swim. Get in the water with them. Get them out of the deep. But keep teaching them how to swim until they can do it on their own. And then don't, don't leave them floundering after you've taught them just the basics. Because see, there's a balance here. In everything that you do, there always has to be a balance. But this is something that I, I talk to um, my clients a lot too. When people are like, can I try working with you for just a little bit? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Not possible. I will not work with you for two weeks, for three weeks, for four weeks. If you're not going to give me a guaranteed minimum of 12 weeks with you, I don't want to work with you. Because what's going to happen is you're going to experience a great amount of pro progress in, let's say, the first one to four weeks. And that's going to be exciting. You're going to start seeing things change because we're going to be talking about different things. We're going to be uh, bringing out concepts from new angles that you never saw them before. We're going to be practicing awareness and we're going to be doing stuff like root cause analysis. We're going to be journaling. We're going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff that's just going to be getting your brain to start seeing things in a new way. And through all these different tools, you start making connections and then it's enlightening, literally. And it's exciting and people make quite a bit of progress within the first week one to week four. And then around week five, week six, that's when they start hitting walls. And if you've ever tried to make any progress, you would generally know that this is how it goes. Around week five, week six is when they start hitting obstacles. And that, if you're a coach, that is the time where you most need to be there for your clients. Because that is the moment when they're gonna to wanna to quit. That is the moment when they're gonna say, this is not really working, I need to take a bit of a break. Don't let them. I tell all my clients this, it's in a contract. I promise you, by week five, week six, you're going to hit some sort of opposition. It's going to be difficult. You're going to hit an obstacle. You're going to want to stop. I, as your coach, am not going to let you. For this very simple reason. If you stop, you make a very negative association in your head. That progress is not possible. And nobody can help me with this progress. Because I've tried it on myself. I even went to a professional and they could only get me so far. And so now you're completely convinced that the situation is hopeless. So I refuse to let go of them during that time. You get through week five, week six, sometimes into week seven. You overcome that obstacle. And suddenly 
there is an incredible realization that, hey, obstacles can be overcome. I can work my way through these difficult things because look what I did just now. Look what we overcame. And at that point, that's when progress really starts to take shape. That's when the habit loop kicks in. That's when you start really seeing the milestone. And so usually by about the 12th week, depending on the person, we can then start making a plan to a, start focusing on other areas or to start taking a few steps back and giving them maybe not a weekly call, maybe a bi-weekly call every two weeks or then once a month until the point where you're, they're solid enough to stand on their own. And I have clients that I'll check in with, with them now. Sometimes they were my client five years ago or 10 years ago, and they're still on the road of progress. And they're still using the techniques and the things that we've learned together in order to continue to make progress. And I look at them and I'm grateful that I had the chance to give them the tools to take their life and make it into whatever they wanted it to be. And in doing so, they made their life the best it could possibly be. Because when you are in control of your life, when you have a full knowledge of your strengths, of your weaknesses, of your opportunities, of the threats, of your goals, of your motivators, of your values, and you're a fully integrated human being. And not only that, you also understand the way to get towards success. And you're consistently moving every day towards your potential and walking on that path where you increase your capacity day by day. There is ridiculous places where you can take your life. And it is places that you don't even expect. And I can guarantee you the people around you don't expect either. And that's another reason why it is so important that you empower your clients as a coach. Because you don't know how far they can go. Only they do. Only they will discover that. You just help them to find the tools to move in that direction. And when you do that, boom. You take a back seat and watch them shine because they will. I tell you, there are, there are few things in life that give me as much joy as catching up with somebody I used to work with two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, and just hearing about all the things they've done, where they've gone. I mean, I have people I've coached who are a hundred times thousand times more successful than me and I'm so happy for that I'm so grateful that they are doing incredible things with their life and I'm so grateful that I was able to help them in that direction 
but that I did not stand in their way, that I did not keep them dependent, and at the same time, I did not let them go too early. I helped them to discover the tools. I helped them to understand themselves and to get integrated with themselves. And then I stood back and I let them shine. And I've absolutely enjoyed every single step along that journey, seeing all the people that I work with in various different places around the world doing incredible things. And that makes me feel super happy. And so this year, like I said, long detour, rose picking, daisy picking, whatever you call that, whatever that section was. <laughs> but this year I had a chance to work with, uh, with 35 individuals individually and about 153 in a group. And I'm very thankful. I look forward to working with even more this year as, as things come. All right, let's keep going. Oof, I got to move a little faster with these. All right, personal front time. So this next one is kind of like a combination of the professional and the personal. For those of you, some of you might know that I opened up my business in France a couple of years ago. I set up um, an office here. This year I was able to move into a bigger office space. And the cool thing about moving into a bigger office space is that I was able to also make it partially my office and also partially a place to live. And I'm so grateful that we had the opportunity to do that because even though it was a bigger commitment to of course move to a bigger place and then more people had to get involved and it, you know, moving is never easy. But the nice thing that came out of that is the fact that now with the space also, there's enough living space here that we're, my family and I are actually able to use it to spend holidays. And so in this place here in France, um, I had the chance to do um, summer holidays here with my, with my two younger kids and, and my wife. Uh, we were able to also do Christmas here, all the kids and my wife together. Christmas and New Year's, which was nice. The south of France was warm. You know, Sweden at this time of year, freezing cold. I think the Christmas week was like, I think, what was it? About minus 15 uh, Celsius or something like that. Whereas here it was a good plus 20. It was a nice warm, warm days. It was good to spend time together. I was also able to host my, my parents and some of my siblings here in France also at various points throughout the year and so that was a very nice opportunity and I'm very grateful for the fact that we were able to find a place that was good enough to actually serve these two different functions and the fact that our presence here in France and by an extension the rest of Europe is starting to grow and one thing I'm also super grateful for is the fact that being based out of Central Europe also gives me the opportunity to expand across the rest of Europe quite easily because now, you know, the UK, Germany, Italy, Spain, you know, most of these areas are, are all within an hour or two by flight. And so that's, that's been a real, a real blessing. 
And I'm very happy and thankful that this year brought that all together. What's another one? All right, another big highlight of this year on the personal front was had the most epic summer ever. Like I said a little bit earlier, was able to bring the kids here, spend uh, summer holidays here in France, got to take them around, show them the south of France, which is absolutely beautiful. Went to a bunch of different places. One of our favorite places he went to was Carcassonne. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's like the world's biggest medieval castle that's still intact. And it's like an entire city in the castles. Really nice. Kids had a blast. Um, we also then, towards the end of the summer, we went to Spain and we had a family reunion. And I was able to get to meet my, my whole family again after quite a few years. We originally were supposed to have a family reunion. My parents and my siblings and their families, we were all supposed to meet up in 2020, which was for my dad's 60th birthday. Thanks to COVID, that didn't happen. But now, two years later, we were able to do it. We got to stay at uh, Masia on the outskirts of Barcelona, and the whole family was able to be together. We had a lot of fun. During this time, my wife and I were actually able to throw a wedding ceremony because this had been pending for a while. We had been wanting to do one for our families because in the pandemic, we all got used to doing stuff online and I had a number of friends who had got married online. And it was something that we had considered doing. And then we had said, no, you know, we, we can do all, can do all the registrations and do the legal wedding and everything beforehand. And we'll just save the ceremony for whenever the restrictions kind of are no longer there. And so we waited and 2020 came and went, 2021, 22, finally in 2022. Um, summer we were able to host it and so that was a lot of fun her family was there my family was there had a good group of people and we just had a whole bunch of fun and then the summer ended with us taking a delayed honeymoon but um, one of the greatest trips of my life we went to the UK and we went to Scotland we went to um, England we went to Wales and Scotland was absolutely incredible i mean we had the chance to go all over the place we went to edinburgh we went to aberdeen we went to inverness we went to the isle of sky we did a highland tour for three days went to glasgow um in glasgow we had a couple of conferences to attend had um, some work there. My wife got to meet uh, one of her heroes, which was really nice to see. Um, we also had the opportunity to go over to Wales. I have two brothers that live there in Cardiff. They run a restaurant and it was so nice to see them and you know, in action and the amazing work that they're doing over there and just how incredible their restaurant is. And yeah, it was, an absolutely amazing time even though I got unfortunately I was sick for the second half of that trip but it was so so nice I mean I would go back to Scotland again in a heartbeat I don't know how many of you have been there but it's it's breathtaking and interestingly enough I found out something on this trip that I never actually realized before apparently my mom's ancestors are Scottish yeah apparently my mom's dad from his side of the family 
they are Cambrons. And the Cambrons were actually a subgroup of the Cameron clan. And after the, the battle that took place at um, Culloden, where the Highland tribes were basically dispersed and um, Scotland was permanently integrated with the United Kingdom. At that point, a lot of the Highlanders kind of moved over and went to different places. Some went to the Americas, some went to mainland Europe, and I, my, my grandfather's ancestors were the ones that actually came over into France. And so that was interesting to realizing that piece of history. And I was like, oh, that, that was pretty cool. So that was one of the outcomes of our summer trip there. And yeah, it was, it was nice to figure that out. All right, what else? All right, and one last thing I'm super grateful for this year was all the studying I was able to do. Um, I was able to attend a number of conferences, which was really nice. I had the chance to take several courses and earn some additional certification. And I was also able to read slash listen to about 60 books in the past year. Now, the reason why I'm making a distinction between reading and listening to is that this is a, a debate that my, me and my wife have all the time because she's an avid reader. She actually inhales books a lot faster than me. I mean, I think in the past year I read 60 books, she read 100. So she's obviously ahead in that score. But... She always jokingly tells me that you can't count listening to books as reading books. You have to make a distinction between the books that you listen to and the books that you actually read. And so we've come to a compromise where I'll listen to a book and if there's good stuff that I feel that's in there, I will actually order the hard copy, as you can see, sitting behind me, and then I will go through that book and listen to it again while reading it. And so that's the way I'm able to get the most out of it. But um, a lot of great opportunities to just, I guess, understand, understand life more and understand the world more. And this is another piece of advice that I will give you if you are a coach or a trainer or a speaker or just someone who is just wants to be a little bit more I don't know engaged or integrated with life never stop learning never allow your journey of knowledge of self-discovery of learning about the world, about learning about how life works. Never let it end. As soon as you decide that you've reached a point where you're satisfied with your learning, that is the time that you're going to start falling behind. Learning is the way to not just keep yourself current, but also to keep yourself grounded. The more you know, the more you realize that you don't know. And so the more you read, the more you reflect, the more that you're able to expose yourself to various avenues of education. And not just through reading books, although that is very important and I encourage you to do that. But nowadays, even listening to online podcasts or lectures or attending conferences 
and just exposing yourself to as much information as possible because it will not only deepen your knowledge but it will also I would say deepen your humility and it will give you an appreciation for life and it will also give you more of a basis to pull from when stuff doesn't exactly go the way that you want it to go because you have been thinking through stuff you've been reading stuff you've been researching stuff you've been learning stuff and then now some of that can be used and applied in various different ways and I think one of the greatest things that I've discovered from constantly studying and learning is what happens is that you start developing your own voice you start developing your own thoughts you start developing your own opinions and I think one of the greatest quotes that I ever heard I heard a number of years ago and it was from a man named uh, Dr. Timothy Keller and I was came across one of his lectures and he was saying this which I thought was interesting he said and I quote if you listen to one person you're a cult if there's only one voice that you're listening to you're a cult if you listen to two voices you're confused right because which one to believe if you listen to ten voices you start to understand and if you listen to a hundred different voices or you read a hundred different points of view you start to develop your own voice because then you're able to see what everyone has to say you're also able through your learnings to deepen your own knowledge of life and then through observing what you are experiencing and the life that you are living through the lens of what you have learned you are able to develop your own voice and your own point of view which I think is absolutely wonderful and so I'm very grateful that I had the chance to do all that studying last year and if you have the opportunity to do that this year, I encourage you to do that as well. All right, here we go. Biggest lessons from 2022. So one of my biggest lessons of the previous year was to take care of my health last year wasn't a very good year for me health wise I spent quite a good portion of it quite sick especially in the second half of the year which was a little bit difficult and especially with all the work that we had to do and all the projects and all the traveling that I had to do um, quite a bit of it was done and then I would get sick and then I do another one then I get sick again and so I realized something that 
as I'm starting to get older, I can't ignore my health. You know, when you're younger, and people are going to laugh at me because they're like, how old are you? You're not very old. No, but I'm old enough to know that when you're younger, you can pretty much abuse your health. You will know this. You can get two hours of sleep a night and you'll be right back at work the next day or right back in school the next day. You can not stretch and just go out and put in a solid run or go do like a 90-minute football game without feeling any of the consequences. You can eat sporadically and eat whatever you want and not have it show up on you. But there comes a time when your body is just like, no, sorry, can't do this anymore. And it doesn't cooperate. And so I think I kind of hit that stage between last year and this year. And I'm realizing a lot more that I can't just take my body for granted. I can't just take my health for granted. If I want to live for as long as I can here on this earth, and if I want to basically be around to the point where I can leave a good solid legacy for my family and for my kids and for the people that I love and in the field that I am privileged to be in, I'm going to need to be in the best of shape. I'm going to need to be in the best of health. Otherwise, my life may be too short and my contribution may be left unfulfilled. And so I need to honor my health. I need to honor my body. I need to honor the vessel that houses my soul. And so one of the biggest lessons for me is that you can't ignore it. You have to work on it. But one thing I also realize is one of my biggest lessons from last year is that I have to work on it consistently and I have to do it in the right way. Because last year I kind of went for a few too many quick fixes. And this is a bit embarrassing to admit because when I coach my clients, I try to tell them never, ever, ever go for a quick fix. Never. Always slow and incremental progress. But somehow this year with my health, I kind of said, you know what? Let's go big or go home. And so I remember um, in the summer when we were going to do the the wedding ceremony, I was like, I want to look good in my wedding photos. So I took a crash diet and I lost 10 kilos in about a month. And I felt great. Did the wedding shoot. That was back in July. By the time December rolled around, I had gained all of that back. And I was miserable. I was upset with myself. And then I realized that I did exactly what I tell my clients not to do. And so I was like, okay, this year I should probably spend some time listening to my own advice. You know, I need to prioritize my health. I can't take my body and my health for granted. 
but neither can I try to do the ridiculous let's get quick results fast because easy come easy go and anything that go flies too far in one direction will come snapping back like a rubber band and so one of the biggest learnings for me is that you got to focus on it but you got to do it right you got to do the slow hard long yards of consistency and do it faithfully in order to get the results that you want and actually that's something I want to talk a little bit more about because this is a problem that not just I've faced but a lot of my clients have faced and you probably have faced in your own life too the pressure of an ideal the pressure of an unrealistic time frame so I had a client that I've worked with a couple years ago absolutely great guy totally love this dude but when we first started working together he had a very large financial problem and he was in debt had a lot of uh, things coming due and it affected him in various ways that was just making his life completely miserable because it was affecting him it was affecting his family it was affecting just everything and not only that but he was also making really bad risky business decisions in that time and when we first started talking together one of the first things he said to me which i find hilarious he said hey i am this old i only have a little bit of time before i hit x age and my goal is to be a millionaire by the time i hit x age and so i need you to work with me to help me accomplish that goal and so we sat down and we looked at his life and we looked at his spending patterns and we looked at the various things that he was doing and his business and his um his debts and all those different things and we saw that just how far away he was from getting there and so we talked about a couple of things that he could possibly do but then we realized something over the course of the conversation everything that i would suggest he would blow it right off and he's like well that won't work because that that makes too little oh if i do that it's so inconsistent or i'll only make x amount i will never get to the million dollars by the time i reach this age it just doesn't make any sense there's no way i'm going to get there and so he was favoring really risky choices and really risky business moves and a lot of them were coming out negative a lot of them were affecting him badly a lot of them were resulting in him actually falling deeper and deeper into debt but he kept taking them and the reason why he kept taking them is because he felt that look i'm here and i need to get here i can't be doing 3000 dollar months 5000 dollar months that doesn't work for me 
It doesn't get me to the point where I want to go. I have to be doing 30,000, 50,000, 100,000. And so these are the ways that seem to guarantee it. These are the avenues where you can turn to, you can tend to turn over that kind of capital. But those also were the places where you could also lose quite a bit. And so he just kept digging himself deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into a hole. And so we sat down together and I was like, what do you really want? And he says, I, I hate the way that I'm stuck in this debt. I hate the way that all of this is weighing on me. I hate the way that it's affected my family, it's affected this, affected that. I hate the way that it affects me. I feel terrible. I feel like a loser, all that sort of stuff. I just want to get to be a millionaire. And then all that will go away. So I said, that's your ultimate goal, for you to be a millionaire. He said, yes. Help me get there. I said, okay. The way we're going to get there is for you to forget that goal. The way we're going to get there is for you to get rid of the idea that you have to be a millionaire by X age. And he's like, why would I get rid of that? That's been my motivating factor my whole life. And I was like, exactly. It is an unrealistic motivation that is driving you deeper and deeper into a hole. What you're doing, instead of creating a foundation of consistency where you can build upwards, you're just digging yourself a deeper and deeper grave because what you're trying to do is you're trying to go and start putting in the second floor and the third floor and the fourth floor and the fifth floor without actually taking the time to sink a foundation and put in the concrete. And so if you want to clear these debts that you have and you want to feel better about yourself, and to be able to make things right with your family and to meet all the commitments that you need to meet. And what you're going to need to do, you're going to have to forget this ridiculous goal of reaching this by X. And instead, focus on what you can do consistently now to be able to get you to the point where you need to go. Took a while to make that switch. Took a while to make that switch. But he let it go. It was very difficult. But then we started working on what was consistent in the now. What he could focus on now. What he could do in this present moment. Fast forward to two years later. And not only was he completely out of debt. He was, I think, quite a bit in profit. He managed to buy a house, worked out everything with his family, set up a very reputable business, was looked up to very highly in his community, and his life had completely transformed. And then we were chatting some time back, and he's like, you know what? I don't even think... I want to be a millionaire. I don't even think that's a goal I still want to go after. 
Maybe I want to retire a little bit earlier. Maybe what I have right now is enough to keep me going for the next little while. And in that moment, that's when I told him, now you're actually ready to go hit that million. Now you're actually ready to succeed in that way. Now you're ready for your business to flourish. And over the past few months, while the rest of the world has been going through recession, he's been focusing on a totally new stream that is moving him ahead quite successfully. I have another client who is very much in the exact same boat, except he has another factor that's really bothering him. He works very, very long hours, and it's affecting his health. And so what he does is he's doubling down on his risks, on the risky factors, because he's like, if my health starts going out the window, then what, what's going to happen is that I really have to reach this goal. Because if I don't reach this goal by X date, who knows if I'll still be alive by then. And so with him, my work with him is quite similar to what I did with this other person. But with him, it is also, okay, move this date that you thought you were going to reach. Move it a year in the future. Two years in the future. And then look at yourself. Go to a doctor. Go get a physical assessment. And ask the doctor who's giving the physical assessment what you need to do in order to build your body to the point where it can survive until you get to that point. And then you do both simultaneously. Work on your health and work on the consistency to get you there. And so we put a plan to place and that's what we're going to be pursuing. But what I'm trying to help you realize through this is that when you have a goal that is too big and a goal that is something where all your emotional energy is invested to, what happens is that can also turn to a negative. It can turn to a negative to the point where it starts leading you to make bad decisions. You make poor decisions, you make rash decisions because you see how far you are away from that. And so you take risks and you try to get easy um, gains or quick gains or fast wins. And what that does is that actually puts you deeper and deeper back in the hole and you just go further and further and further away. What you need to do, if you find yourself in that situation and if it's something you can relate to, let go of that goal. Just let it go from your mind and latch back into what you need to do now in order to get you back to a place where you can start focusing on what's more important to you. If there's an end goal, if I get this, then that will bring everything else together. That goal needs to be questioned because what you're doing is you've taken this goal and you've empowered it with everything. If I get this goal, then everything go right with my family. If I get this goal, then everything go right with my health. If I get this goal, then everybody will love me. Okay, whoa, dial it back. Go into your values. See what you actually value, what you actually care about. Are you working on those at this moment? Are you bringing those along with you? Are you shoring up those areas? Maybe 
in pursuing that one crazy goal, these ones are falling apart. And so you're doubling down on reaching this one so that way once you get there, everything can pull back together. Don't do that. Consider letting go of that big goal, but not letting go of your values. Lock in on what's important. Focus on the consistency of building what's important. And what you start doing is you start enabling yourself to move forward in a healthy, consistent way. And as you do that, and as you make progress in that, and as you develop yourself in that, what happens is that you give yourself the freedom to reach a place where you can actually go bigger and better than what you thought you could. And you can actually go far beyond your goals, but you're doing it in the right healthy way. And nothing that you value or you love will be lost or left behind or damaged along the way. Because now you're moving to it in a better way. And so if that's something you can relate with, um, I encourage you to think about it. If you know someone who's probably going about something in this way, maybe you can talk to them about this. And if you don't know or you have a suspicion that you might be doing this, drop me a message. Let's have a conversation. And perhaps this is something we can work on together. But let's continue because we still have a little ways to go. Okay, another one of my lessons from the previous year is the concept of putting first things first. Again, something that I work with my clients on that I've realized is something I need to make more of an area of focus. You should always put first things first. There's a reason why first things are first things. You know, it's, there's a very old concept that says, and it's been around for thousands and thousands of years, that the first fruits of anything belong to God. And what that means is the very first thing that you do should always be done for the highest ideal or in pursuit of the most important things. And so it's understanding what the most important things in your life are and then not allowing those to take a back seat. Whether it be with your time, whether it be with your finances, there's so many different things that we invest into our lives every single day. Are they truly being invested in the stuff that's most important? Are you really putting first things first? If I look back at my previous year and the 2022 gone by, there were many times where I put first things first. And I'm so thankful that I did. And there are times that I kind of let that slip. And I look back at it now and I feel kind of terrible. I'm like, man, that was a missed opportunity. I let that go. I should have done that. That could have been capitalized on and it wasn't. So put first things first. Give the best of your time and of your your finances and of your talent and of your resources to the highest ideal and the things that matter most. Otherwise, you may end up feeling sorry 
that you did. Another lesson from the previous year, and this is something also that I have come to realize more and more, is the old adage that whatever is ignored falls apart. And more than that, whatever slips through the cracks usually returns to bite you one day. If you notice, if you think the things will be okay because they're not giving you trouble at the moment, or if something is gonna be fine because there doesn't seem to be an emergency attached to it, or a situation is okay because it's, it's just going. It's not good, it's not bad, it's just meh. And you ignore it. Anything that's ignored starts falling apart. Anything that is not focused on starts going to ruin. Now the second thing is that whatever falls through the cracks comes back to bite you. Anything that is ignored, anything that is forgotten will some way, somehow, come back to bite you. That one bill that you pushed to the side and said, yeah, maybe I'll get to it later, will pop up at the most ridiculous time when you least expect it and cost you a whole lot. That one task on your to-do list that you kept copying and pasting into the next day, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, can end up costing you a client or can end up coming on your table at a time when you're stuck with another deadline and now you have to focus on both and it's a total disaster. Checking that one bit of information and saying maybe I'll get around to it or maybe I'll just wing it can end up with you missing a variety of things in your life. And so don't ignore stuff because if it's ignored, it falls apart. And if it falls through the cracks, it will come back to bite you one day. And so that's one of my lessons from last year. Here's another one. And this one is a big one. And one thing that I've had to learn a lot because last year has also been you know, the most expense-laden uh, year of my life with regards to setting up the new office space, um, all the work and the travel that we had to do, the all the personal events that we had. As you imagine, pulling off a wedding is, for those of you who've done it before, it's, it's nev never, never an easy thing. One massive lesson from last year and one that I definitely want to carry forward into the year ahead is the concept of savings. Savings are a million times better than credit. You know, debt can sneak up on you so fast. You use credit for a couple of months, you don't even realize what you're doing, and the next thing you know, it's like, wow, you're suddenly X amount in debt. Where did that come from? Just a little bit here, just a little bit there. No, 
first of all, save and then spend from your savings. And if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Don't do it. Especially in the time that we are in right now. Especially this current world situation where people are losing jobs all the time. The job market is shrinking down and we're in recession. The temptation is to, well, well, I can afford it. I'll just put it on my credit card. Yeah, I can do that. I'll just put it, you know, put it on credit. You will regret those decisions. Because who's to say you'll be able to make that money back? Who's to say that you'll still keep your job come the next time around? Or who's to say that you couldn't have taken that money when you did get it and save it for something else later down the road. Who's to say that you won't have a bigger uh, bigger something come up down the road three, four, five, six months from now that it would have been nice to have that extra capital to cover but you no longer have a credit because you've already run it all out. Again, debt can sneak up on you fast. One of the biggest lessons is save and spend more from savings than from credit. And one more of my lessons from the previous year. And I think this is this is going to be my my summary one for this point on the lessons is that the opposite of love isn't hate. It isn't the opposite of love is apathy. The opposite of love is doing nothing. Is there someone in your life that you love and that means a lot to you? What are you doing about that? Have you talked to them? Have you called them? Have you reached out to them? If there is someone that you love and there is something that is not exactly right in that relationship. Have you gone and dealt with it? Have you spoken about it? Have you perhaps even got into an argument about it or even got into a fight about it? If you don't, if you just let it go, all the time. Sometimes, if letting it go can be a good thing, but if it's something really important and you continually let it slide, that's apathy. And it's a sure sign that the relationship is not going to make any progress. It's not going to get stronger, it's going to get weaker. In fact, it's going to fall apart. And there was a special, um, there was a bit of scientific research that was done uh, some time back. And I love using this with my clients who I work with in my life coaching who are going through um, trouble in their marriage. And this is one of the things I love to do with them is I love to explain to them this particular uh, finding. And this finding was quite interesting that they studied the amount of times that couples would have good conversations versus arguments and fights and they would 
also observe the health of the relationship. And they studied, I think, thousands of couples in this study, and they were trying to figure out what is the exact healthy ratio of good interactions and conversations to fights and arguments. And they found out this one thing, which is pretty interesting. If the ratio was four to one, four good conversations to one argument and fight, then the relationship was on its way to falling apart. Because there was just too many negative interactions. There were too many things to fight about. There were too many uh, things that were unsolved and became points of conflict. And if the ratio was four to one or less, then it meant that the relationship was moving towards an unfortunate ending. But they also found that a ratio of 10 to 1, 11 to 1, or higher, whereas you'd have 10 or 11 good conversations to one negative one, it also meant that the relationship was also on its way to an unfortunate end. Because it meant that neither partner was invested enough to really bring up what was important. And so they would just let things slide. The conversations mainly remained platonic or surface level. And after a while, they just both drifted apart. And according to that study, the healthy range was between the seven to eight range. Seven to eight good in conversation interactions to one argument and fight. And couples who kind of had that ratio were the healthier ones, who they could have good interactions and they loved each other, loved hanging out, loved being together, but when something came up that was negative or something came up that irritated them, they were going to go in and solve it. And you know, it, it just makes sense. I mean, let's just say that there is one thing that your partner does that really irritates you and it really bothers you and it doesn't just bother you when you see it it also grates on you and let's say that this partner does this approximately let's say about once a week and you notice it and it irritates you and you're kind of stewing on this and you usually take about an hour to stew on it okay so let's just say then that this happens about once a week. In a year, you lose about 52 hours of your year is spent in being angry about this particular thing. If you're married for, let's say, 10, 15, 20 years, it's almost two and a half thousand hours of your marriage has been wasted in you just being irritated about one particular thing if you're even still married so what is the best thing to do reclaim all those hours go and sit down with your partner and have that difficult conversation have that difficult argument even if it takes two hours three hours or four hours it's better than spending two thousand hours 
of your life being angry about it. And if it's something that is repeatedly comes up, you'll know that if it's just one thing that makes you irritated a week, that's a great thing. If you stop and think about it, there's probably stuff that makes you irritated all day. How much of your life is being wasted through letting things slide? And then you realize that after a while, it hurts you, it irritates you. So the way to stop it irritating you is to just say, I don't care. You know what? It doesn't matter. I don't care anymore. And that starts producing apathy. And when you reach the point in a marriage where you don't care anymore, or you reach the point in a relationship where you don't care anymore, or you reach the point in a friendship where you don't care anymore, you reach a point with whoever you're with where you don't care about it anymore. It is the beginning of the end because the opposite of love isn't hate. The opposite of love is apathy. If you care about something and you care about it enough and deep enough, and if that person means enough to you, go and do something about it. Go and have that conversation. Go and have that argument. Because working things out, even if it's difficult, moves you into a better place. Then you're not hitting the same roadblocks again and again. Then you're not stumbling over the same problems consistently. But you're actually able to grow as a couple. You're actually able to grow as a relationship. And that is a very essential and crucial thing to keep in mind. Section one and two done. Now time to talk about goals for the upcoming year. Now what I'm not gonna do is, sorry to disappoint everybody, I'm not gonna tell you the exact like goals that I have for the year ahead. I'm not gonna tell you um, I want to make you know X amount of products this year, I wanna travel to X amount of places because I don't need to bore you with all of that. What I am going to talk about is my soft goals, because what I've done is this year I've divided up my goals into hard goals and soft goals, and this might be something that you find interesting. And the soft goals are skills and qualities that, if mastered, will help me to move towards my hard goals. And so a lot of times what keeps most of us away from achieving the goals that we want to get and the things that we want to accomplish is that we don't embody the characteristics required to move us there. There's actually a very great quote by the great Chinese philosopher Confucius. We all know him. We all love him. Confucius said this, wherever you go, there you are. Seems like such a ridiculous statement, but it's so profound. And it's one of my favorite quotes of all time. Wherever you go, there you are. Wherever you go, you are taking you with you. You're taking your habits. You're taking your characteristics. You're taking all your flaws and everything with you and going to that new place. 
And so if you want to go in a new direction and you want to accomplish new goals for this year, it's going to require you becoming somebody different. Otherwise, you know, you have all those people who are like, oh, new year, new me. It's never the case. It's always new year, old you. Because you're not changing. You're not growing. There's nothing in you that is developing in order to get to the place where you want to be. So let's say that your hard goal is that you want to go to the gym every day. Your soft goal, that's what's going to get you there is self-discipline and self-control. The discipline you need to get you up in the morning and the control that you need to make yourself go to bed at night. If you're not focusing on mastering these two different skills, you're not focusing on embodying these two principles, getting up and going to the gym every day is just gonna be a pipe dream. Another example, you wanna write. Let's say this is the year you wanna put out a book. That's your hard goal. What are the soft goals gonna get you there? Curiosity, right? You need curiosity in order to experience the subject that you want to write about. In order to avoid it being something that's just drab and run in the mill, you have to engage with it. What do you need to do? Develop your curiosity. What's another thing that you're going to need? You're also gonna need discipline, and some other routines to put into place. So whatever your hard goals are, you're always going to need soft goals to back them up. And your soft goals are always the skills and qualities that you need to embody in order to get to where you want to go. So what are my soft goals for this year? I'll tell you that. And then um, at the end of the year, when I do my review, I'll tell you how they worked out. And I'll tell you some of the other goals, the hard goals that I went and hit. So... I've already kind of given it away, two of them. Two of my soft goals this year is self-discipline and self-control. Self-discipline is the consistency to hit the routine in and out every single day to the point where I can stick to my habits without needing too much to apply on my willpower because willpower never lasts, it's a limited uh, resource, it just disappears. But if we're consistently moving forward and making the most of our habits and we have the discipline to keep doing the stuff every single day, then it's much easier to move there. So self-discipline is one. Um, another big one for me is self-control. Self-control is the ability to just say no and to make yourself do what you don't want to do or to make yourself not do what you really, really want to do. Now, this is a big one because for me, in especially when I focus on my health, um, for those of you who are big snackers <laughs> will, will probably be able to attest to this. When we have almost like um, a compulsive eating disorder almost, where you walk by and you see food. I've been thinking, it's like, oh, I want to taste this, I want to taste that. I never realized how much I actually snack until my wife pointed it out to me because I'd walk, you know, I walk into the kitchen and I'm talking and then I pick this up and then I'm cooking food and I taste this and I taste that. Then I open the fridge and I take this. And just realizing that I'm like, whoa, I actually snack quite a lot 
throughout the course of a day. What's it gonna take for me to stop that? I need to develop self-control. The ability to stop myself, even if it's something that emotionally I feel like doing, and also to motivate myself to do something, even if it's something that I really don't want to do. Because all the goals that I've set this year without that self-control will be very difficult to reach. What's another one of my soft goals? Integrity. Integrity is one of my soft goals. To be consistent between my words and my actions. To say and do. To be in perfect alignment. To have the full strength of my building intact. The building of my life. You know, I, one of the words that I've always loved, and you might have heard this in, um, when I, if you've attended one of my talks I've done on integrity, or um, it'll be in a podcast that comes out soon, hopefully. But one term that we don't really use so much anymore is the structural integrity of a building. And that is, is, is the building stable? Can it stand? When there's an earthquake and there is some cracks in the pillars of the house, they will say that you can't go into the house because the structural integrity of the house has been compromised. When they're building on something and the ground starts to shift or there is a small bit of damage, they cannot build any further because the structural integrity of the building has been compromised and therefore the project must be abandoned or even brought down. Now that is something that I don't wanna to have to have happen to me. I don't want me to get to the point where I cannot build on my life any further, I cannot grow any further, I cannot expand further in my work, in my business, in my family, in my career, in my health goals, if the structural integrity of the house of my life is compromised in any particular way, I will not be able to build on it any further. And so one of the soft goals for this year is maintaining that integrity to be consistent with my words and my actions, to be sure that I mean what I say and I say what I mean, and that I do what I need to do, and that I always keep my word and stick to what's most important. And the next soft goal that I wanna focus on is honesty. And I think one of the, one of the great people that I look up to and admire said it like this. He said, always speak the truth or at least don't lie. Because we don't always know what the truth is. You know, sometimes there's that very great quote that says, you know, there is your point of view and my point of view and then there's the truth. And sometimes we don't know what it is. Sometimes we can be completely wrong. So to always speak the truth sounds like a little bit too high and ideal sometimes because we don't exactly know what the truth is, but at least we can avoid lying. And so one of my soft goals this year is honestly for this year to always speak the truth as far as I am able. But if I'm not able or I don't know what it is, then at least don't lie in that situation. And believe it or not, that is so much harder than you actually think that it is. If you actually stop and think about it and reflect on your own life, you'll realize that it's a difficult thing to do. And most of us shy away from it. But 
it is a crucial, crucial skill for you to embody in order to move towards some of the goals that you've set for yourself this year. And it's one of the most essential goals that I have to embody in order to move to some of the goals that I want to this year. And finally, the last soft, soft goal that I need this year is professionalism. And what do I mean by professionalism? By professionalism, I mean giving my level best to every single thing that I do. I mentioned a little bit earlier about the project that we did along with the elderly. And I remember some years ago, a conversation I had with my dad because we wrap all the gifts individually. And we put, you know, nice wrapping paper, a little bow, because we want it to be special. And I remember I was helping to pack some of the gifts and I was getting really, really tired because you spend all day wrapping, 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 wrapping. I must have packed like almost uh, 200 gifts that day or something like that. I was so tired. And I started just kind of getting a bit sloppy towards the end. And my dad pulled me up for it and he's like, I want you to redo all of those. I'm like, why? We've wrapped all these other gifts. We're wrapping so many of them. What does it matter if just one or two are a little bit funky or not exactly aligned or perhaps they look a little bit crooked? And my dad said something that I think was pretty profound. He said, for you and for us, we're packing hundreds of gifts. And we're packing for over a thousand people. But to the recipient who gets the not so good gift or the one that has, is not properly done, that is the only gift they're receiving. They're not receiving thousands. They're receiving one. And so it better be the damn best one that you can do for the sake of that one person. You're not doing thousands for thousands. Everyone is getting one individual. And so it better be the best that it can get. And that stood out to me. And so apply that in a broad way to your life, to your business, to your work. I'm going to apply it in a broad way to my life and my business and my work. I might be speaking to many people in a day and so for me it might be today I have 10 clients but for each of those clients that's their one hour with me or their 30 minutes of me and so while I might feel well I had maybe I had nine very good calls and one that wasn't so great but at least it was you know my ratio is nine is to one for that one person the only thing they're going to remember is that that call wasn't very great and they didn't get what they wanted to get out of it. And so it's putting yourself in that position to realize that everything you do matters. Every interaction that you have matters. Do it on a personal level. I have X number of friends and I spend some good times with these guys so it's okay, I can kind of be a little bit sloppy with these other ones 
For them, that's all of you they get. With your family. Oh, I put the effort into different times that I spend with my wife. Now I can kind of slack off this time around. No. Being professional is being able to bring your A-game into everything that you do. Now, the only way you're going to be able to bring your A-game to everything you do is if, A, you are practicing doing it and you're conscious of doing it, and B, if you're giving yourself enough time to be able to realistically do that. Perhaps you shouldn't be taking so many clients in one stretch. Perhaps you shouldn't be doing so many events in one stretch. Perhaps you shouldn't be focusing on certain things after a very busy period in your life. You need spaces, you need margins, so that way when you show up, you give your best. Being aware of your strengths and your weaknesses, being aware of the times when you're more likely to be at your best and the times when you're not, helps you to be able to give your best in every place that you go to. So I'm not saying that you have to be 100% switched on all the time and never switched off because that's unrealistic and that's unhealthy even. But what I am saying is, for me, is that I need to accurately weigh what I need to do in order to give my best to every single circumstance. And then I stick to that. But I consciously remind myself that in every circumstance that I'm in, with every person that I work with, with every project I undertake, with every place I go, I do it intentionally and I do it to the best of my ability because that is a critical, critical soft skill in order to help me reach my hard goals for the year. segment <laughs> final segment what is my motto for the year ahead the reason why I like to set a motto the reason why I like to have a thought or a motivating quote to go ahead is that it helps to shape everything that I do and everything that I plan this is something that encapsulates the me I want to bring to things, and the more I can say it to myself, the more I can remember it, the more I can be aligned in that particular direction. Now, I don't want to get into the science behind this because I've already been here too long, but I'm gonna do a separate video on this at some point, and you'll be able to get the benefit of it then. But right now, for me, for 2023, what is my motto? It's very simple. It's 4G. Like you have on the phones, you know, 3G, 4G, 5G. For me, it's 4G. These 4G stand for get in, grit, gratitude, and generosity. So, these 4Gs. Get in, grit, generosity, gratitude. First one, get in. Get in means just get in there and do it. Get in there jump in if you see it and you um, can do something about it push through it 
it summarizes the uh, encapsulates the other lessons and the soft skills don't leave for someone else don't wait for a better opportunity you see it seize it get in that's the first g second g is grit not everything's going to go your way right away sometimes things will take days months weeks years do you have the grit to stick it out hold on push through stay the course however long it takes until you get to where you need to go for me this has always been one of the things that i struggle with the endurance sticking with things in the long haul that's one of the things this year and the thing about grit and the way that it kind of um, works very well with endurance is grit is the ability to hold on just a little bit longer like just a little bit more like um, I think one of the best quotes I've ever read ever heard was um, it was a Winston Churchill who said it he said when I'm gonna paraphrase it because I don't remember the exact quote but it was is something like when you are most exhausted and you feel that you're at the end of your rope and you can't carry on and you're exhausted, your heart is racing, you feel that you have no air left in your lungs and you're struggling to just take another breath. It is at this moment that your opponent is at his weakest. And hanging on for just a few minutes longer will give you the victory that you so desperately seek. I read that and I was like, wow. Completely flips it around. You reach as far as you can go, and then you hang on just a little bit longer. That's that just a little bit longer that brings it through. So that's the second G for this year. Third one is generosity. Practice generosity. Come from a place of abundance. Generosity with my time, generosity with my finances, generosity with my attitude, generosity with my life. I want to be able to look at life in a more generous way this year. I would love to have a sense of openness for the year to come, to embrace things and to be able to give. Give my time, give my finances, give my talents, give my energy to whoever and all need it and the situations that require it the most. And the last G of the four is gratitude. And gratitude is something that I want to make and keep a central focus for everything that I do this year. There was something that I usually tell my clients and it's something that I'll um, say in bringing this to a close is that how do you keep yourself in a proper balance where you are living a life of contentment because there's this kind of paradox that has to be maintained almost this tension that has to be maintained you want to have that hunger and to have that desire and to have that appetite to have that drive and to keep pushing for your goals but on the flip side you also want to have that contentment that what you have is enough and that you are happy with where you are and that you are secure and you are grateful for the way things are. And so how do you 
live in that tension because if you're too driven, you get very easily dissatisfied. And if you're too satisfied, you can also end up with no goals, no purpose, no vision. And that also can be very, very negative thing because if you're too much in the present moment, you tend to get stuck there. And that's never a healthy thing because life is always moving on. How do, what do you do? There's this wonderful tension that I like to get my clients to maintain. I have them keep a journal. And in that, I always tell them this. Begin the day with hunger. End the day with gratitude. If you can start the day thinking of your goals and thinking of where you want to go, thinking of your vision, thinking of your purpose, thinking of potential, think about all the things that you want to go out, and you get up and you get yourself primed to go and do and be and succeed. But yet at the end of the day, you can sit down and reflect on what has gone by and think about what the day brought you. And you can close off the day with gratefulness for where you are. That is the best place where you can live. You get up in the morning and you write out three things that you want to accomplish that day and you prime yourself for that accomplishment. And you get home at the end of the day and you write down the things you're grateful for, things that you have, things you've been blessed with, and you close off with that. You begin the day with hunger and ambition, and you end the day with contentment and gratitude. And that's the best way to maintain that point where you are moving somewhere, and yet you are satisfied with what you have. And so, motto for the year, 4G. Get in, grit, generosity, and gratitude. These will be our motivating statements for the year to come. So, thank you so much for listening to this. I don't know how many of you are still with me after we've been going on and on and on, but hopefully it's been useful. Hopefully it's been helpful for you. Hopefully it's uh, something that you found beneficial and found encouraging in some way in your life. If it has been, then I'm glad. And even if it, it has zero benefit for you, at least it's been beneficial for me to speak through some of these things and to reflect on it. And so I wish you all the best. If you have taken the time to you know, set your goals or to think about the past year, share, share it with me. I'd love to hear about it. Drop in the comments, send me an email. And if anything that I've said so far in this video resonates with you, uh, tell me about it as well. I'd love to hear from you. I love, I love people. I love working with them. I love getting to know them. I love helping them to achieve everything that they want out of life. And so write me and we'll be in touch and i look forward to seeing you more often this year one of my hard goals this year is more video content so you'll be seeing a lot more from me hopefully throughout the course of this year and i look forward to interacting with you on various social media platforms and on youtube and on my website and I look forward to all that this year is going to bring. So good luck. Enjoy your 2023. And I will see you in another episode 
of the ABCs for Purpose of Living podcast. But until then, this is David Thurmer signing off. All the best. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Please do subscribe for more. If you found this helpful, please share it with someone else. Pass the help along. David is always eager to hear from you and would love to work with you in a more hands-on way. For more information, please visit our website at www.davidtheramer.com. That's www.davidtheramer.com.